this week on the Digital Dust Podcast. That's one of the best things about art is that we can see like the stories that matter the most to people. Yeah. That they would like recreate it over and over. Welcome back, everyone, to the Digital Desk Podcast. My name is Robin. And I'm Katie. And that's it. (laughs) And it's a two-man show. (laughs) We've become really good at that now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think so many of the last episodes have been two-man shows, which is fine. Yeah. It's cool. It's fun. You know what I was thinking recently? Our podcast doesn't have a tagline oh you know how like some podcasts they'll be like welcome back to digital dust the podcast blah 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 oh yeah we just assume people know what's going on and it's different every time (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's the half the bit it's like um a history podcast no one needs to know that everybody knows yeah anyway i was just i've been binging podcasts and they all like start with a tagline and i was like man we just go straight in. <laughs> yeah, we're like, straight in for no the kill. No time to waste. Get right to the meat. <laughs> you know what podcast you're listening to. You don't need to be told. <laughs> no, you click on it every no. week or every two weeks. Exactly. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. There it is. Anyway, now that we've had our uh, long, long intro, today we're gonna do a little bit of a. It's not a follow up. It has actually has nothing to do with the episode in the first season. All about the Iliad and Greek mythology, but we're going to pretend it's a follow-up because... Same subject. Same subject. So we're talking about Greek mythology. Right on. If that wasn't clear. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) You have the two mythology... I mean, I feel like Patrick also likes mythology, but I feel like we're the mythology nerds here. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, especially Greek mythology. I feel like... That was my, my jam all throughout high school. And, like, we did a trip to Greece when I was in high school, and I was just, oh my like, God. we get bored during the trip, and I was like, hey, guys, do you want to hear a Greek mythology story, like, while we're in Athens? I'm like, hmm, how timely. <laughs> oh, my God. You were, like, the cool kid on that trip. I can feel it. Yeah, like, for some reason, I, you know, I've never was able to hold an audience when I was in high school, but on that trip, people were like, okay, yeah, like, I will listen to this. And I'm like, oh, wait, people are actually listening to me and looking at me. I don't, uh, I'm going to mess up the story now. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> And that's where the podcast was born in your heart. Yeah. Storytelling about history. That's it. Boom. That is true. Look at me go. Look at you go. It was a full circle yeah. moment right now. <laughs> Love that for you. But yeah, we're going to talk about mythology today. I don't know if... Robin, have you brought any mythology stories to the table or is it more me? It's more you. <laughs> okay. That's fine. You can always add in little comments um about like if you know the stories or if you want to add tangential things that's fine but this one's way less of a structured podcast than the original iliad episode if you haven't listened to them now mentioned it twice you gotta go listen to them it's me talking literally for 90 minutes straight and everybody else just mumbling at times that that sounds about right but in a good way yep And you're like, I can't deny it because that's what it was. That's literally what happened. But I learned so much. So, like, you you can easily just sit back and listen to it and enjoy your time. Well, thank you. you I'll take it. I'll take it. That's another push for people to go listen. (laughs) 
Exactly. And while you're at it, just listen to the rest of the podcast that we've recorded. Yeah. Do us a big favor. (laughs) So today, we're going to talk about, like, basically four people slash myths. They're mainly people. Um, And then we're going to talk about, like, a a single piece of ancient Greek art that we have about that person slash myth. It should be fun. Of course, it's a podcast, so we're talking about a visual medium. There'll be links in the show notes about if you want to, like, see what the art looks like. But I'll describe it, and I'll send you pictures so you can also describe it. Yeah, we're just going to, like, go through them. We'll talk a little bit about the person, and then we'll talk about the art, and then if we have any, like, fun comments, anything like that, we'll go there next. Okay, so the first one that we're talking about is a piece of pottery. So two of these are going to be pottery and two of them are going to be wall paintings for a little variety. It's a piece of pottery of the death of Sarpedon, Sarpedon, depending on how you pronounce it, which comes from the Iliad. So I thought we'd start with a little tie to the Iliad story. If you know the story, or if you've read (laughs) Song of Achilles, or honestly any retelling of the Iliad, You'll know that um, Sarpedon was, or Sarpedon, I can't tell you, was an ally of the Trojans. He fought alongside them, and he was uh, the son of Zeus, so he was a demigod. And he's killed in battle by Patroclus, who is not that important to the actual Iliad, beyond being like a (laughs) moment of, Everyone knows his name for some reason or another. Exactly. Yeah. Um, He's obviously very important to the Song of Achilles because he's the narrator, but uh, he's killed by Patroclus in the Trojan War, and he's the son of Zeus, and Zeus is not allowed to save him. So part of the whole story of the Iliad is that the gods interfere a lot, even though they're not really supposed to, and Zeus is very, like, condemning of that. You know, he's like, you can't interfere with what the humans want to do, blah, blah, blah. And then that comes back to bite him because he can't save his son when he really wants to. But everyone, every other god is like, well, you got to practice what you preach and you can't save your son. Boom, boom, boom. So, which is like sad. I should, you know. I mean, anyway. I think that's one of the reasons I love Greek mythology so much is that like the gods are so human. Yes. Compared to a lot of other religions where they're seen as like the best of I guess they're not even human, but anyway, like they're the best of us and they can they're they're without mistakes. Well, these gods are like they're vengeful, they have love, they they make mistakes, and I love that. Yeah. No, it's like the gods are some of the best parts of Greek mythology, and I feel like it's often lost when you sometimes like talk about it, but they are the creme de la creme. Yes, they are. Yeah. So the crater, which will be linked in the description as I talked about, is um, it's a piece of pottery. It's I don't actually know the real size, but it would have been quite large. It would would have been like a piece of pottery that was used to hold wine. Ooh. So during a symposium, it would hold like a lot of the wine and then slaves would carry it and pour out the wine. So that's kind of what a crater is used for. It's a, just a shape of pottery. That's what it, the word crater means. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And on it, on at least one side of it, you can see a bunch of figures. So Sarpedon is dead. So he's the body lying across, and he's being carried to the afterlife by the two divine brothers, 
Hypnos and Thanatos, which are sleep and death. Mm -hmm. So sleep and death are carrying him, and they're being guided by Hermes, who's behind. So Hermes functions as that um, navigator, the mediator between the two worlds. He's often the person who takes people, whether it's like to Olympus, like he takes Hercules to Olympus, um, or it takes people to the underworld. It's a really fun visual pun. So... It's two, so sleep and death are holding the body of Sarpedon, and their shape, they are like picking up motion, would mirror how slaves would carry a crater. So the crater's two handles are the little like knobs at the side, and you would have seen the two slaves picking up the crater just like sleep and death are picking up the body. Oh. It's quite fun. Yeah, yeah, that is, it's a thought through for sure from the artist. Yeah. <laughs> the artist is like, I know what I'm going to do here. Yeah, let's make it meta. <laughs> yeah, like really meta. It's a really cool piece. It's it's from um, like 515 BCE, which is not like super late in terms of Greek pottery. Like we have a lot earlier later i can never with bce i'm like which word do i use yeah i don't it's not like one of the earliest pieces we have (laughs) okay so it's somewhere in the prime yeah like it you know the it's um red figure based so that means that i don't need to go into how pottery is made but (laughs) basically there's two types of figures red figure and black figure and that's red figure which means all the people are kind of the red color and it's just like a, a fun piece. I think it's like pretty interesting because it's a really minor part of the Iliad. Like the death of Serpidon actually doesn't really matter much mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. But it's that kind of story, as you were saying, about like the gods being quite human and having to make those sacrifices during the war. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. I also just like really like pottery. Um, I know that I've talked in the past that I did Greco-Roman sculpture as my um, specialty in art. Yeah. I realize we're also the two art historians. I know. eh? (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect. (laughs) Uh, But like pottery is just so cool and we have so much of it. It tells a much like better story than sculpture does Mm -hmm. because you can create more depth and we have it for longer and there's more storytelling it can be almost like a storyboard like the other pottery we're going to talk about has storyboard elements yeah that's exactly how i see it too like a storyboard i'm so glad you said that because a sculpture totally misses that it's usually just like a picture or even it's worse Mm -hmm. than a picture because it's usually one figure and you kind of have to piece things together through just knowing about history while this is like an actual captured um piece of a story exactly yeah so it's a fun a fun one to start with. Definitely. <laughs> the second narrative we're going to talk about is Hephaestus. I hope I'm saying his name right. Yeah, I know who you're talking uh, about. He's the god of the forge. Mm-hmm. So in um, Roman mythology, he's Vulcan. If you're like a Roman stan and you don't know any of the Greek names. he So just like a little bit of background about Hephaestus is we have two narratives about who he is so homer who wrote the iliad and the odyssey tells us that he's the son of zeus and hera so like that 
you know, the, they're the married couple, the god of gods, them. Yeah. But other narratives tell us that he's just the son of Hera. So it depends on which one you're listening to about who he actually belongs to. But it makes more sense to me that he's just the son of Hera because he's treated really badly. Yeah. And I feel like Zeus wouldn't allow that. He's like the <laughs> ultimate sad boy. That's how I know him. Yeah. And that's right. <laughs> so, like, he's the god of the forge. So he makes all of the stuff mm-hmm. for, like, the gods. Mm-hmm. But they hate him. Yeah. They keep kicking him out of Olympus. They treat him like trash every day. Yeah. Every day. This man takes so much. <laughs> like the poor man. He's a he's a fully fledged god. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. This man's a real god and they treat him like crap. And they need him all the time. They need everything <laughs> yeah. he creates and they still treat him like trash. They even... Like, didn't they give him a wife? And she was even like, oh, my God, this is the worst time of my life. Isn't Wasn't it? Um, it was literally Aphrodite. It's Aphrodite. Yeah, it was literally yeah. Aphrodite. He's, <laughs> he's married to Aphrodite, which people will not know because they'll always know her, her and Mars. Yep. Right? But no, she is straight up married to this man. Yeah. This poor man. Like, I just feel so bad talking about him. So he's characterized in a bunch of ways. The first is he has a dislocated hip. So he has, like, a limp. Yeah. Which the idea of, like, physical beauty and morality, that kind of um, equation, equity, whatever, in Greek thought was, like, if you were physically beautiful, you were, like, morally beautiful. So immediate red flag for him. He also is, like, characterized as being a coward, being quite, like, timid, not like that. Not like a god, I guess. Yeah. And poor guy. If you're always being treated like trash, why are you trying to make friends anymore? You're just like, everyone hates me. Forget this. Yeah. He's constantly kicked out of Olympus, and then he's constantly brought back. Because they'll be like, oh, man, somebody needs to make me a new throne. He's like, I actually needed a new sword, so if you don't mind. (laughs) Yeah. If you could just come back for a second, that would be good. Get out of here. He's not pretty enough. So he's not pretty enough. Which is just mean, mm-hmm. you know? He's not one of the better known Greek gods, for sure. Like, I think if you didn't really know Greek gods, you wouldn't know him. And I think, so there are like, people always talk about a pantheon of 12 Olympian gods, but there are actually more than 12 Olympian gods. So sometimes he's included and sometimes he's not. Poor man. Yeah. Never making it. Never making it. So, now that you have a little introduction to Hephaestus, this is a wall painting. So, um, we did a piece of pottery. Now we're going to do a wall painting of Hephaestus forging the new armor for Achilles. So, this is another Iliad tie-in, just because, you know, got to do it. Keep it on track. (laughs) Keep it on track. So, if you've read the Iliad or you know the story, you'll know that... Patroclus, who we talked about with the death of Sarpedon, gets killed. I guess that's a spoiler, but it's the world's oldest story. It's not, but close to it. So I'm sorry that I just spoiled it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it, like, over, like, hundreds of years here that we're like, oh, by the way? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, whoops, was that, did you not know? 
honestly. Uh, so Patroclus dies. He's wearing Achilles armor for a bunch of reasons. If you want to know the reasons, listen to the uh, episodes five and six of the podcast. But he's wearing Achilles armor and he his armor gets taken. His body almost gets taken too, but it actually gets saved by my king Menelaus. <laughs> but the armor gets taken. So Achilles needs new armor if he's going to fight. And he's going to fight because he's full of rage. And his mother, who's a sea nymph, goes to Hephaestus and is like, you need to forge my son new armor. So Hephaestus is the original forger of Achilles' armor that gets stolen. And he, she needs new armor for him, for obvious reasons. He needs to fight. Yeah. It's also like the kind of divine armor... Is supposed to like help him be an even better warrior and all of that. Like it's like so much better than anything a human could forge. So we have this cool wall painting with the piercing eyes, as you uh, oh, yeah. noted. So Hephaestus is the figure on the left. He is um, holding like a new giant shield. Like honestly, this man's shield is huge. Yeah, it's about the size of him. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine that you could fight very well in, in battle with that, but... No, but it's maybe. definitely pretty. Oh, wait, it's oh, it's, it has her reflection in it. That's what it is. I thought it was yes. carved. Never mind. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. But they've painted in the reflection of Thetis. So Thetis is on the other side. She's a sea nymph, and she's looking at her reflection in the... The shield. Shield mirror thing. Yeah. So it's like, it's a really cool, like from an artistic point of view, we don't have a lot of wall paintings mm -hmm. um, because obviously they flake, they don't last the way. They get the way. blown up. They get blown up. They get destroyed. Everything happens to them. They're definitely of the, um, what do you call it? Ancient art. Yeah. We don't have a ton of it. It's too bad because those are some of the most interesting pieces, especially because they're, they're commissioned. So they're done with a purpose. Yes. Now, actually, now that I think about this, I made an assumption that this is from Pompeii. Am I right? Mm. Yeah. Ooh. So the vast majority of the wall art that we have left from the Greco-Roman periods actually comes from Pompeii because everything gets covered in ash. And so nothing happens to it for like hundreds of years. Yeah, it gets kind of preserved. So yeah, so like Pompeii is actually, I mean, beyond being like quite cool because, you know, there's like a lot, it's like a city pre preserved. It actually is like we all we know about Roman wall art comes from Pompeii, like literally all of it. <laughs> no pressure, Pompeii. Like, way to represent. Yeah. <laughs> They're like this small sampling. That's all we have. And that's all there was. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. So obviously... Yeah, no, it's like, I'd love to go to Pompeii. I've never been, but... It's something else, yeah. It's it's really hot, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's worth it. Oh, my God, I can't I tried to yeah. pick up a pebble, like, because, you know, I, I love actually collecting rocks from wherever I go and not thinking. I was like, oh, this is a historical site. It's so cool. I'm just going to take a rock. And the, the, the tour guide was so pissed. She was like, do not touch that. That's an artifact. It was just like some pebble on the ground, but like... Oh my god, I thought I was going to get thrown out. <laughs> but yeah, don't touch rocks oh when you're there. God. Don't do it. Wow, that was a good PSA. Because yeah. I'm sure lots of people do. Oh yeah. Oh my god, it's a piece of history. That, that was my whole thought yeah. process. But then 
yeah you're probably not supposed to steal it mm-hmm. it's like all those people who have the berlin wall but i oh. guess they were allowed to take that yeah, yeah. that's actually really cool but yes yeah, so, so this is yeah. still there i'm assuming yes so that um it's likely still there uh it's definitely it's a roman piece of art so the romans also would have told the story of the trojan war uh, and they would have imagined themselves oh, okay sorry we can't under the minds of the ancients are unknowable yes do you know that hat that says women want me the minds of fish are unknowable <laughs> no that's hilarious though <laughs> Every time I use the word unknowable, all I think of is that hat. <laughs> it's iconic. I want, I want the hat, but that's an aside that we don't need to go into. <laughs> the minds of agents are unknowable, mm-hmm. but we can presume that they would have seen themselves in the Greeks because the kind of division that we have of Greek and Roman is much more a division that we've made. Yes. Like, the yeah. They're so culturally similar, but we still, like here's the line yeah yeah because they like worshipped the same pantheon of gods they just called them different words but they spoke a different language so of course they called them different words yeah anyway so it comes from rome but it's a really cool piece it tells us a lot this is also a really cool piece because like this moment i think it is in the iliad so one of the fun things about the iliad is that it actually jumps back and forth it's not like a story told from one perspective it like goes to Olympus and it goes back and it goes between the Trojans and the Greeks. And I do believe you see, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I do believe you see Thetis go to Hephaestus and like have this conversation. So it is like a, a not an interpretation, but like an actual scene. This happened. Yeah. yeah, scene. An interesting scene to have chosen to paint on a wall, mm-hmm. of course. But, you know, it might have been, like, a the house of somebody who was, like, interested in armor or a forger themselves or something like that. That's this is it. all speculation, by the way, guys. That's it. That is speculation. But, I mean, it's it's a really great speculation because, like we were saying earlier, like, the wall paintings are usually commissioned. So, you got to kind of assume, like, why would you want this scene specifically? Well, it's about armor. The god is, a god is specifically in this. Usually, we don't worship. Is, she's a nymph, you said? Or... She's a nymph. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe people worship nymphs. No, not like so she probably wasn't they would have the worshipped the gods. Main subject. No, I would think he would have been him as like this divine maker yeah. would have been the subject. Especially in such an important yeah. scene of returning armor to this family. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of the moments where Hephaestus gets to shine, so I love that for him. Yeah. <laughs> um as like a total aside and i'm not going to go into it but i do believe and i can't remember exactly because i read this book like a year ago but i believe in the book ariadne unraveled hephaestus plays a rather not large role but he is he comes up more than almost any of the other gods beyond dionysus who ariadne marries so that's given um so if you're interested in hephaestus and i'm not wrong you should read Ariadne Unraveled. If I am wrong, I'm sorry. And then it, if it's not Ariadne Unraveled, it's Ariadne by Jennifer Saint, I think. We'll find yeah. the one for the show notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the show notes, you'll be able to click the link and bada boom, bada bang. You got your history. All right. You got your history. You got your thing. All right. Object slash story number three. Here we are is a story that's definitely being popularized by Madeline Miller, but through her other novel, Circe. 
So her second novel is called Circe, and it's all about the titular character, Circe, who is a witch. So she comes to us in the Homer's other epic, his The Odyssey. So Homer is known for having written down two epics, the Iliad and the Odyssey. The Odyssey tells the story of Odysseus returning home after the Trojan War, and because he's being basically cursed by Poseidon, he can't get home, and it takes him like a decade, which is just whack. (laughs) (laughs) And um, part of the Odyssey is all about like his crazy trials trying to get from what is now Turkey through to the Greek islands. And he comes onto this, he stumbles onto an island, he comes ashore, and he's, like, kind of uncertain about what's going on. So he sends half his crew to go, like, investigate. And they meet Circe, who is a witch. She either lives alone or she has, like, some companions who live with her. And she welcomes them in and she, like, gives them this drink. And it turns them all into animals. So they, like, they're all, half of his crew is now animals. In the story, one of his, like, crew members manages to escape before it happens to him and goes back to Odysseus and tells him what happened. So Odysseus, who's, like, well-known for his cunning strategy, he's, like, the, like, Athena adores this man. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the word for it, but. Athena's like all over this man. <laughs> uh, she can't get enough of him. Loves it. Eats it um, up. <laughs> eats it up. He comes up with an antidote and then he takes it and he gives it to the rest of his crew members. He just like smiths <laughs> that up in the boat. Like. <laughs> yeah. He just makes it boom, 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 boom. I found I'm this a dust in now. the corner. Like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Gives it to the other people. They go. They turn back to humans. Xerxes is so impressed by his like cunningness. It was a test. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he and his crew stick around for a while. Yeah. And then let's hang out. Let's just go on their merry her. way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then they they chill. And then you said they they leave again. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and they just, like, they chill for a while, kind of live on the island, and then eventually he's like, well, I do have to get home. <laughs> Poor Penelope, his wife, is, like, fighting off suitors. <laughs> he's just sitting. He's just chilling, doing having a margarita on the beach. Yeah. like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I do have a wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll make it here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting story. Yeah. For like a million reasons. As also, Xerxes is the reason that Odysseus is able to surpass sirens. So maybe like one of the most famous stories of Odysseus is that he ties himself to the mast of his ship so he can hear the siren song, but he doesn't actually um, jump over, get like lured yeah. in. Yeah, um, and it's Xerxes who tells him what sirens are and like how they work so he can protect himself against okay. that so, so he, she really coming in strong yeah, he did have to hang out for a bit then yeah yeah huh. um so in this uh this is a kylix i can pronounce this word Ooh. which is just a drinking cup okay so it would have been kind of like a really flat bowl that you would have like sipped out of oh so they're they're quite large they're not like a cup as you would imagine a cup 
um, but they're kind of like a really shallow bowl. What? And like, what a funny it, story to choose to put on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a weird story. So on it, if you like zoom in, mm-hmm. you can see that it's a bunch of human bodies with different animal heads. So it's the um, crew as they've been changed into animals um, and they're being served by Xerxes. So that's the funny part. You zoom in and you're like, that is a man's body. Yeah. That looks like a man's body through and through and through. I mean, it is, is. but it is Xerxes. (laughs) She's... You can see all the little labels um, along the lines that tell us who each of the characters are, oh. and she has been identified. So that's probably because the potters who made this, like, didn't know too much about a female nude and didn't, like, necessarily want to put a female nude on it. So she is nude. Uh, because she's a witch, she's supposed to be kind of like a... Yeah. It's like how they show Amazons in pants. It's, yeah. it's that vibe, but she's nude. <laughs> Yeah, she seems you know, more like a block. Like, they didn't really know how to approach her, <laughs> so they're just like, okay, but Here's yeah, a black like, blob. Oh, that, that works. Exactly. That's our witch. That, that's my witch. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, a pretty fun, like, image. Yeah. It When we talked about storyboarding, when we talked about the um, crater, mm-hmm. this one has even better storyboarding there's not good images of the other side of it but it basically shows both the instance of these people being fed the like drink yeah and the one crew member escaping and talking to odysseus and odysseus making the antidote oh my goodness okay i was gonna say is he the beefy boy in the back like with the big arms like on the Uh, on the left side (laughs) right behind the (laughs) (laughs) You see how big he is? <laughs> I think maybe. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, what what is up with that? That is whack. So by the way, we talked about red figure pottery. This is black figure yes. pottery. So you can tell it's inverted. <laughs> oh my goodness. My beefy boy. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. He's ready to come in here and be like, I have the, the and elixir. And he has a sword. Yeah, he has a sword. Yeah. Holy cow. I find it so funny. Like, imagine receiving this glass. Like, here's your glass for tonight. And, like, you're like, wait a minute. What's actually in here? (laughs) What are you trying to tell me? (laughs) Is this a song? Yeah. (laughs) Should I be worried? Should I have, like, a a chase with this? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really fun story. But, yeah, it's definitely, like, a... mm, Yeah. Or I also kind of see it like a party glass. Like, if you know the whole story, you're like, oh, well, this story kind of ends with them, like, hanging out on the island and just relaxing. So it's kind of like the... And just chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Having a nice time on the island. Because the the Odyssey is just full of Odysseus. Like, him and his crew just being pummeled. Like, just every every time it's like, no, no. This guy's bad luck. It's like a nice... He does. Yeah. And it's actually, yeah, it's not a good time to be Odysseus. No. Um... As an aside, Xerxes is, I believe, the granddaughter of Helios. So Helios is a titan, so the generation of gods before the Olympians, um, and the one responsible for bringing the sun up every day. And I think Odysseus also messes with Helios. No, that's Jason, isn't it? I 
think so. Because later on, someone else takes care of, like, the sun and, and like, the moon, right? Yeah. like, they kind of, like, push the like Titans a... out, don't they? Yeah, they don't, they don't like the Titans very much because the Titans are, like, the siblings of Saturn. Yes. But not Saturn. Whatever Saturn's name is in Kronos. I should have known that. We don't like him. Yeah, so they the, the Titans are a little sus mm. as a group. Um, but yeah, kind of adds up for his daughter then to be like tr- tricking these guys <laughs> and poisoning them and being like, it's just a joke. Like it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so she really she's on par for what she's supposed to be. Little tricks um, there little trickster exactly uh the madeline miller book is good of her story i think it's the only story that i know of that she appears in um but it starts with like some line that's like when i was born the word for what i was didn't exist and it's like that's a great yeah it's just the word witch but it's a great line already drawn in let's read the rest (laughs) yeah let's go Okay, that brings us to the very last one. Sad story, but I love it. <laughs> yes. Super sad story, but super interesting. Oh, my goodness. So, this is the story of Persephone, which I think a lot of people will know. I hope so. So, she's... Yeah, I hope so. She's the daughter of Zeus and Demeter, who... I do believe our siblings. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I think they were in the... Weren't they in the stomach together? It's those two? Or no? <sighs> Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Was it? There's a lot of people in the stomach, I think. Yeah. Were they Which in Zeus's kind of stomach but anyway. or someone else's stomach? Cronus's okay, okay, stomach. Okay, so they were in the stomach together. Yeah. They are siblings. Yeah. yeah. Oops. So... <laughs> whoops. <laughs> so, Demeter has um, a daughter with Zeus... And Zeus promises Persephone, the daughter, to Hades, his brother, the god of the underworld. Just his niece. As a wife. No big deal. Just his niece. Niece. (laughs) (laughs) That one. (laughs) That one. Don't think too... If you're ever looking into Greek mythology, don't just think about the family ties. Just ignore the family ties. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, because your mind will blow up if you start... Uh, trying to track that yeah. stuff don't worry no one it's got so... hurt in the process of the siblings intermingling exactly. so only case <laughs> so the story goes that persephone is out picking flowers one day and the earth basically opens up and hades comes and abducts her you'll see some narratives that make it less of an abduction and more of like a willing going that's up to the eye of the beholder. It's, it's definitely not uh, the, a, a usual courtship, <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. The, the art that we're looking at definitely doesn't make it seem consensual. Yeah. <laughs> and then, basically, Demeter realizes her daughter has gone missing and, like, searches for her, goes on strike, sorry. She goes on strike, so she is the goddess of the harvest and the goddess of goddess of fertility and she goes on strike which is how we get winter into the calendar because the agreement i think it's like hermes goes down because he can yeah yeah 
Hermes like goes and talks to Hades and then the agreement is basically that she spends six months of the year above ground in Olympus and six months of the year in the underworld. Yes. Yes. So it comes to a kind of nicer conclusion than it might have <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, like, she comes back up. She gets to do her job. It's almost like a, a work trip, too. Because <laughs> like, isn't exactly. she in charge of spring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think as a result, she's, like, the goddess of spring. And I know that she's always shown with pomegranates because they're the symbol of the underworld, which yes. is, like, the randomest symbol. But anyway, they yeah, are. Because they're so tart. So, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, and they're, like, red, like blood. Oh, that's probably a better link. So we're looking at the Tomb of Persephone, as it's known. It's another wall painting, and it actually doesn't come from Pompeii. Dun, dun, dun. It's a late 4th century BCE painting, and it's the Tomb of Philip II, who is the basically unknown, but his son is very well known. He's the father of Alexander the Great. Ah, okay. So it's the family tomb of the of Alexander the Great, although he himself is not buried there. And we have this kind of very dramatic mm-hmm. image of the abduction of Persephone. It admittedly isn't like super well preserved, no. obviously. The fact that it even exists is pretty impressive. So we can't mark it down for not being super well preserved. Yeah. It is definitely uh, more violent than her being, um, like, going willingly. Yes. She's, she's not going willingly in this image. Not at all. And isn't that her mother, like, crying in the bottom corner? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Demeter's, like, in the corner. She's kind of being whisked away on the chariot. And then you can see Hades with, like, a wild amount of hair and beard. Yeah. Like an evil Santa. Um, taking her. Yeah, like an evil. He's got his chariot. He's got, <laughs> he's got his sleigh and some other. <laughs> Instead of giving gifts, he's taking he's people. Taking the gift of spring, <laughs> killing it for six months, and then bringing it back. Um, interesting that it's in a tomb. Like, is did this uh, man imply that he was being ripped down into, into death? I guess. <laughs> kind of. It. It's a narrative that. We see a fair amount for, like, tombs, especially for tombs of unmarried young women who die before they get married. Uh, Obviously, Philip II is not that. No. <laughs> but maybe he just, he felt that way. <laughs> yeah. He just felt that way. But it's, like, definitely a, a narrative that helps with grieving and, like, grief. The kind of, like, relating to Demeter and that experience. Oh, okay. She gets her daughter back, so it's not, like, total connection. But um, we see it, like, not a fair amount, but somewhat in tombs. um, And a lot of, like, dedications to Persephone herself. So it is an interesting thing to put in a tomb, but they 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 do do it. They do it. Um, It's a, a really interesting image because we get a wall painting, which we talked about being able to kind of, show more and um be like more artistic than anything else and we get foreshortening in this so the kind of act of not necessarily perspective as we'd see it in the renaissance but like somewhat perspective the wheel isn't just a circle it's like a a circle that's being turned so you can tell that it's 
coming towards you yeah and like even though a lot of it is lost over to time like there's still so much detail like you can see her robe mm-hmm. the movement of her being ripped away from her mother like you can you can feel that how quickly this is all happening yes yeah the kind of speed yeah. because of yeah no it's a gr- it's a cool piece of art it we're so lucky to have some wall paintings left um even if they're kind of deteriorating and all of that yeah yeah this idea of like the immediate action the kind of like ripping sensation and yeah really like feel for it yeah yeah i can definitely then in that sense i can i can relate to not relate but i can see why they would put it in a tomb where it's just like you you feel like you're being ripped away from life it's just all happening so suddenly yeah especially in that period of time where like often deaths were quite sudden (laughs) unexpected for sure yeah all the, one day you were like relatively fine and the next you were like on death's door yes. <laughs> it's dang cold <laughs> it's a it's a cool image and it's like a it's an interesting story it's a story i haven't found many modern day retellings of i know that there are some but i've never read any so if anybody has ones that they really like and they want to send us a dm let me know because i'd always love to hear it Definitely share. It's a cool story. And I feel like you can give Persephone more agency, especially not in like the abduction, but she becomes like the goddess of the underworld. She does. In a lot of ways. Yeah. she, Even though she gets like ripped away, she doesn't really just let it happen to her. She mm-hmm. still takes power in that. And then also the fact that she's able to go home. She's not just like, no, I'm not just your wife. Like I do what I want to do. So yeah, a cool narrative. Mm-hmm. A fun one to end on. Different from... The Iliad, more of like a just general narrative about um, Persephone as opposed to like tied to a piece of um, literature that we have from the period. But interesting nonetheless. Yeah. That's it for my kind of spiel about art and mythology. Um, Anything you want to add? Any thoughts you've had? No. Yeah, I love it. I just love how mythology and art kind of blend together so nicely. It's just a beautiful way of doing storytelling. And it mm-hmm. also points to the really, the stories that, that touched people throughout time. Like, um, I personally, I think if I were to read some of the, like, these classic stories or listen to them, like, if I were to think about the uh, the story of the cup and, like, how these men were transformed into animals, I'd just be like, oh, that's nice. And I don't think I would, I would think about it too much or even try to represent it somewhere. But you can see over time how it was important to different people because they were they were going out of their way to put it on their own their own cups or put it on the wall like it, it was just very neat to see what would touch uh, people over time yeah that's one of the best things about art is that we can see like the stories that matter the most to people yeah that they would like recreate it over and over or you know maybe the things that interest people the most yeah, yeah. and how they like making connections God, with their own that. lives too yeah and, like, the way that you would use that cup, like, daily, and it would just be- become part of, like, you know, your daily life. But you'd be like, oh, that fun little story. Or you'd, like, see Hephaestus on your wall literally every day. That's crazy. Yeah, and so it could be someone that they, if it was a blacksmith, it's, it's something that they were venerating or someone they were looking up to and being like, they're watching over me in my forge right now. Like, this is a good day. Yeah. 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 And it, I guess it, like, talks about how close the gods were to, like, everyday life. Yeah which I think is not something that we have. Like, obviously, for some people, God is close all the time. But, like, the gods were really part of everyday life yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't think it's as integrated as it is as it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful greek mythology is so cool i love it wow look at that this is easily i know that you've recorded a shorter episode than this but i certainly have not yeah it's quite satisfying Um, isn't it it oh there's nothing like it (laughs) (laughs) knowing that i still have some of the evening ahead of me yeah isn't it beautiful you got the whole invigorating i got the rest of my day you're getting to your night though (laughs) yeah it's almost night but that's fine. fine that's fine well, thank you so much for listening. You can always DM us or email us. It's always in the comments. Anything that you want to tell us, if it's about mythology or art or a topic that you want us to tell to talk about, anything like that, um, do rate it and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. We love to see it. Yeah. Bring those book recommendations too. We need it. Yes. Bring them book recommendations. Have a lovely rest of your day. Yeah. And we will see you on the flippity flop. Peace. Digital Dust is recorded on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, Haudenosaunee, Lenapawak, and Attawandaran peoples, on lands connected with the London Township and Somber Treaties of 1796 and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant Wampum. This land continues to be home to First Nations peoples, Métis people, and Inuit people, whom we recognize as the contemporary stewards of the land and waters we are on today. Digital Dust is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Edwards, Katie Gaskin, Patrick Kingen, and Robin Marshall. Sound design by Elizabeth Edwards. Audio transcription by Katie Gaskin. Our theme music is by Mattias Miller.